Would you please take up your Bibles? Uh, this morning I'm going to be uh, preaching on one of the fruit of the Spirit uh, and thinking uh, and looking at the Lord Jesus and particularly patience. So if you turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, I'll be reading verses 18 to 25. Let's hear the Lord's words to us. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Amen. Now delay, delay, it's that word, it can kind of be one of the the worst words in the English language, your train has been delayed, uh, your parcel has been delayed. Uh, sometimes it's a little more serious, though, your, your hospital appointment has been delayed. And life's full of them, full of these kind of gaps in life, these moments of time between an, an action and a, and a fulfillment of that action or between someone uh, doing something and there being a, a consequence to what they've done. You know, I order a book and then there's a, a delay. I have to wait. I have to wait for it to arrive. Kids, we've got to wait for Christmas to arrive for our presents. Uh, and actually, delays, have, they've been built into the world right from the beginning. Like there's just the delay of maturing. God made living things grow. There's a, there's a gap from the beginning of life to its fruition. Apples, they don't just immediately appear on a tree. Um, wheat doesn't immediately ripen. A child isn't immediately born. There's a, a natural delay. But then we had the fall with Adam and Eve when they sinned against God. And a, and a different kind of delay has appeared in our world. A new kind of time, a moment between what has happened and what should happen. So for an Adam and Eve, there was a delay between their sin and God's punishment. They should die, but it didn't happen immediately. There's this gap, a pause. God held off. He allowed delay. And he, he, this opened up into the world, what I'm calling this morning, the, the great delay. God now has a world filled with sin and shame, a world broken, rebellious, And yet even from the beginning, he promised something about it. Evil destroyed under the heel of the snake crusher. But he he did not come straight away. A great delay between fall of Adam and Eve and justice. And sin entering into the world, well, it means we face new kinds of delays. Not just those natural ones, the ordinary passings of time. 
And they're more serious. They're delays between something going wrong and it being made right. You know, that delay between, between being ill and getting well again. We know illness should not happen, and yet here it is. We, we go to the hospital and the doctors give us medicine, but we have to wait. Or that delay waiting for justice. You know, like when someone more powerful does something against us, perhaps a boss or a parent. They hurt us. They slander us and then nothing seems to happen about it. There's no justice. There's no consequence. It just sits there as this perpetual shadow. Here in 1 Peter, we have uh, Peter talking to servants who are, you know, were facing unjust masters, perhaps beating them or blaming them unfairly. We don't know. But for those servants, they're in this moment of time where life doesn't match up. What should happen? There should be justice on these masters. It hadn't happened. Things hadn't been made right. But there are also delays we feel like we should be able to do something about, we should be able to make right. You know, as, as parents, perhaps we see our, our children time and time again disobeying or getting something wrong and we try and do something about it, yet growth seems slow. Or we, we long to be better at something, to be rid of a certain sin and this delay, it's so frustrating, isn't it? Time seems to hold us back. So we're living in this midst of this great delay and life just throws at us time and time again these smaller delays and we struggle in these moments. We struggle to know how to wait well in them, don't we? Because God has um, told us, he's even shown us how to wait well. It's with patience. Patience. Now we're going to come on to what that looks like, but we often know what it doesn't look like in our lives, don't we? You know, Try and picture a moment when you've been impatient. Perhaps it was just waiting for the bus this morning. I don't know, perhaps with your, your little brother this morning, you, you just wanted him to stop being annoying. You know, and as we're forced to wait, our, our, a quick annoyance appears in us. You know, the rising heat. Uh, we, can, we can lash out with a sharp tongue and anyone nearby go, go kind of stone cold silent in a huff. Delays, they, they somehow bring out the worst in us, don't they? We, we hate that moment of time. It's like it offends us. And all we do is pour fire on it and make it worse. There might be some righteous anger thrown in, but but often that just gets shrouded and lost in the sin that bursts out. And we know, we know there's a better way, a more God-like way, a way that breathes life into that moment rather than increasing the hurt. And that's patience. That's waiting well. And to learn patience, well, we need to get a new view of these delays in our life. We need to start by getting God's perspective on it all. See how, how he sees it. And then as we do, we pray Christ would begin to grow that fruit of patience in our hearts. Life-giving patience. So let's have a look at 1 Peter 2. And let this example of Christ's patience point us below the surface. Because what, what did Jesus know? What did he know of God's view of life? Well, firstly, Jesus knew God sees justice. God sees justice. I'm calling the end of the great delay. So justice, the end of the great delay. Here in 1 Peter 2, Peter, he's encouraging these household servants to wait well, to keep going as God wants them to, even with unjust masters, and to encourage them, he turns their eyes to Jesus Christ, to Jesus as he walks towards that cross. Now, Jesus, he is the epitome of steadfast obedience, always doing what's right, patience. And as Peter shows us Jesus, it's as if he, he takes out a pair of glasses to put on our eyes so that we see things more clearly. 
And the glass is a God's view of the world. Just look at verse 23. When he, that is Jesus, was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but, here are the glasses, continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Christ viewed the delay differently to us because he saw God's view. And God not only has his eyes on the small things of life, but also on the big. He sees the end of the great delay. That delay which began in Genesis 3, this opening up of a world of sin and pain, justice, injustice and death. And he, he sees all that plagues that world, but he knows the end. Everything being put right. Everything brought into the light. In a word, justice. God judges justly. That's what Christ knew. Nothing had skipped his notice. Nothing has passed him by. He will bring an end to that great delay. And as we we dig into patience, I think it's helpful to have in our minds how God defines his name. If you know back Exodus 34, uh, God explains his name. He um, He says this, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Did you hear that ending? Who will by no means clear the guilty? Justice. God's going to hold sin to account. Vengeance is his. Evil will be shown for its lies and crushed once for all. Perhaps you've seen a a courtroom with the the judge sat at, at the end. Well, the heavenly courtroom will be in session and the sins and wrongs in our world will be punished. He will do it and he's going to do it rightly. Now, it's not like the justice we often want to bring. You know, when someone sins against me, we can... Uh, and we feel like we can do something about it. And we want justice, don't we? we, we they've gone against us and we want to f- them to feel the consequence that they've done and feel it now. No delay, no gap, justice. And yet God says, no, justice is mine to bring. It will come. The delay will end. I'm going to do it truly and rightly. Now, that doesn't mean there's no use of discipline, legal procedures. We're going to come back to that. But often the justice we want to bring, it's, over, it's overbearing. It's out of proportion. You know, our tongue lashing is, is too vigorous. Our, our cold shoulder is too drawn out. But not God's. He's going to bring justice perfectly. The delay will end and he's going to end it rightly. He is good. We trust that. And he will do it. You know, sometimes when we're sin- sinned against and we have no power, It's like the the servants Peter was talking to or or facing an angry parent or an abusive husband, an unfair boss. It can be crushing like life can just hold still because there's no retribution. There's no justice. And we know trying to take things into our own hands is going to make things worse. It feels hopeless. Well, may we see God's view of it all. He will judge justly. This is a glorious truth. Death is not a barrier to justice. The guilty one who died peacefully in his bed will be held to account. In eternity, nothing is forgotten. God will by no means clear the guilty. It will be the end of the great delay. 
The end is not just an end filled with punishment. It's bigger than that. Justice is bigger. It's the righteous, the good. God will vindicate it. It'll be shown for what it is. The innocent cleared. The slandered shown to be pure. What was lost restored. What was taken given back. Like, you know, it's like one of those family meetings when there's, there's been a bit of a bust up in the background. Uh, but then there's the, the truth comes out and we deal with it. The, the rights are wrong. There's, there's hugs and honesty. As verse 24 suggests, there's going to be healing. By his wounds you've been healed, it says. The sheep will be on the right path. There'll be life. There'll be restoration. There is an end. Even as our tears might feel endless now, they'll be wiped away. You know, as we watch the news and see of more disasters, more wars, more problems, we can be struck by a hopelessness. It's as if even with all the progress, with new technology, advances in medical science, even with all of that, we're just going round and round in circles. It's this endless dance of joy and disaster. But that's not the true view of the world. Yes, we experience both, but there is a wonderful hope. There is a day that God sees that Jesus knew justice. It's the end of the great delay and it's coming. Jesus, he wasn't just blinded by the present. He could see the end of the story. He, he had read that final chapter. Now, with that on the horizon, it, it does raise perhaps quite a haunting question. Well, why is God waiting? What's he doing? Is God just having a little game with us? He's just set the world in play. He's let it run, let it burn until the day he finally acts. Has he just put his feet up somewhere? Well, D- Jesus didn't just see the ending. He was also trusting God's present. He knew God's view of the present. And instead of justice, it's grace. Justice, that's the end of the great delay. Well, grace, it's the use of the great delay. Listen again to verses 24 and 25. Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed for you were straying like sheep but you've now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Aren't they wonderful verses? That that great delay is actually a time of salvation. The delay opened up the space for grace. It gave a moment of time for Jesus Christ to come. The Son of God came. He took on flesh. He walked as a man on those dusty streets of Nazareth. And then in the fullness of time, nails were driven into his hands and feet. And he bore our sins in his body, faced the wrath of God, died for our sins so that we might not have to. Why? So there might be healing. By his wounds you have been healed. So there might be repentance and restoration for you are straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseers of your souls. God delayed his justice so that we might be saved, so that he might show the extent of his grace and compassion. What was his name again back in Exodus? The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. We only know God because he delayed, because he was patient, because he didn't mete out his justice straight away, slow to anger. What wonderful words to our ears. Just today, 
Even today, there are people in this world, perhaps right now in church somewhere, (coughs) turning to Jesus Christ as their saviour, finding eternal life in him, knowing the grace of God for the first time and the goodness of God in a way like never before. All because he delayed. He was patient. That's what his patient is. It's giving space for grace and compassion. God is working, is showing something profound about the way he works. Delays, they're not just dull time to him, like they can feel to us. They're not empty space. They are moments that he fills with his grace. He is a God at work, a God building his kingdom, saving sinners, glorifying his son, He's a bit like the perfect craftsman. You know, often when we look at someone at work, I don't know, perhaps a painter or someone designing something outdoors using nature perhaps, and we we can look on and we don't see much going on. I'm no no artist. But in fact, they're they're wanting perhaps a colour to become just right. They're allowing the summer sun to have just that perfect impact. There's an unhurried beauty to their work. There's method in what looks like madness. That's the work of God. In each delay, both in the big and in the small, God is reaching into time and he's using it. He's using it to save. He's using it also to sanctify us. He's at work beautifying his people, making us more and more fit to be the bride of his son. Grace, it's grace, it's the use of the great delay. And somehow, as we see this bigger picture of what God is up to, Life can take on a different shape for us, a shape that isn't rushed, that is modelled on Christ and his patience. We've got justice, the end of the great delay, grace, the use of the great delay. Well, thirdly, patience is embracing the delay. It's embracing the delay. Let's turn and look to Jesus himself, because what we see in Jesus is someone who's imitating God's patience by embracing God's patience. And and Jesus shows us two sides to to the one coin of patience, this embracing of the delay. And firstly, we're going to see it's it's enduring wrong obediently. And then secondly, it's creating space for grace. So firstly, Jesus, first of all, he endured wrong obediently. Jesus walked an extraordinary path of suffering unjustly. He was reviled. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was taunted. He was whipped. Nails were driven into his hands and feet. A crown of thorns tearing into his scalp. Perhaps like some of those hostage, what some of those hostages have perhaps faced in Gaza recently. And yet in the midst of it all, we see his patience. Jesus bore the injustice. He put up with it. His anger was slow to come. Now, Peter here, he doesn't talk about the fact that Jesus could have ended all of this with divine justice. Notice he, he doesn't say when Jesus was reviled, he did, he, he did not call down the angels from heaven. And when he suffered, he did not reveal the almighty wrath of the creator. Now, those things are true, but that's not Peter's point here. Instead, he's pointing to the fact that Jesus was patient in his humanity as a man in circumstances where he's the weak one the powerless one. He's under the abuse of the the Roman Empire. He's a small, insignificant prisoner bound in ropes before the powers that be. And in that moment, Jesus remained silent. He did not sin. As Peter says, he did not revile in return. He did not threaten. He walked that path to the cross. He endured 
without doing wrong in return. If you look at the middle of verse 20, if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. That's Jesus, isn't it? He didn't lose his cool. He didn't shout and rant. He didn't throw a few punches at the guards and get a cheap shot. Think of Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane, cutting off a priest's servant's ear. No, Jesus wasn't like that. He was calm. He was dignified. Why, verse 23, because he continued to entrust himself to the one who judges justly. For Jesus in this moment, that fixed reality of a future judgment day allowed him to keep walking, to endure, to not exact justice in his time. But in God's time, that's patience. It's enduring that wrong again and again and again and again without sinning in return. Now, I don't know you guys, but for some of us, that might be a very present fight. You have been powerless against the people around you, perhaps at work under an abusive boss, I don't know, and you just wanted to lash out, you just wanted to shout the house down, get your own back, even in some small way, get a tiny bit of justice and revenge. Perhaps, kids, you've just felt, I don't know, your sibling just gets away with things and you've just wanted to get your own back. And yet in this delay, God is saying, trust me. Justice will come. I'm going to do it rightly and fully. Entrust yourself to me. Endure. Patience in the face of things we have no power over. It's endurance. It's holding on to doing good even when it's the last thing we want. It's doing good even when all is wrong around you. It's being shaped by kindness and love, not hatred and bitterness. It's using our words for good, how hard that can be. Sometimes it might just mean silence like Jesus. Now it's just important to say, not reviling or threatening or an oppressor doesn't mean it's then wrong to, to call the police on someone, to see the law intervene for the safety of you and your family. Peter is he's talking to slaves here with no power, no power over their master, they were owned by them. He's talking about Jesus as a Roman prisoner walking to the cross. They couldn't do that. But from elsewhere in Scripture, we know God has given us the state as a way of exacting some justice on this earth before he comes. But that's the state, isn't it? It's measured. It's after the testimony of witnesses. It's done rightly and justly. You might decide to look over something. But Christ's walk of suffering does not mean you then have to stay in dangerous and difficult situations. I know this is been used by manipulating abusive partners. You need to turn the other cheek, they say. But, but God has given means for justice in this world. And obedience can mean using it. But it does not mean us taking some swift, ill-thought-out revenge to try and get equal as we lash out. It does not mean sin. For Jesus, he had to entrust himself to the end of the great delay, to judgment day itself. He embraced the delay. He endured wrong obediently. And this endurance, I think it's also seen as we face other kinds of hard and painful circumstances, perhaps especially ill health. As the problems keep going, the next hospital appointment comes and goes, the next blood test, surgery, injection. We, we don't just entrust ourselves to God and his judgment, but also God and his salvation. We wait. Now, rather than reviling others, I think the temptation might be to revile God himself. 
like Job's wife, we're tempted to curse God and die. But Job's patience, no, he went towards God. Yes, he questioned and called on God, but he waited, he endured, he waited for God to act and to answer, waiting because he knew his Redeemer lived, that the resurrection was to come. He endured wrong obediently. So that's the first way we embrace the delay. We endure wrong obediently. But that leaves us with the question, well, what does it mean to embrace the delay when we can do something about it? Well, it's, it, it's about creating space for grace. Creating space for grace. With, with Jesus, we do know he had the power to reverse his walk at that cross. He's God's son. He's equal uh, with the Father in glory and power. Why did he keep walking that path? Why was he patient against this kind of cosmic sin? Because Jesus knew God had purposes in that moment. He knew there was grace to be shown. Here was a man who sought the good of those around him. Patience for him was also this creating space for grace. We we know from other accounts, Jesus moved towards those who killed him. He, he, he called for God to forgive them. But this walk was also towards us. He was walking to the cross for us, sinners to save. He saw the bigger framework, the use of this delay, grace. He realized that there was a moment for something else to happen. If justice was to come later, then grace could come now. His patience gave space for all the other fruit of the Spirit to blossom. His patience gave a moment for those soldiers to experience peace from someone. Until now, perhaps they'd only taken the heat from prisoner after prisoner. You can imagine it, can't you? Cursing, abusive language, shouting, threatening. You know, a pretty full-on, perhaps soul-deadening experience for those soldiers. But they didn't get that from Jesus. From him they received peace, gentleness. Just as he had done with the great delay, so he did in this small moment as he walked outside the city of Jerusalem. He didn't revile or threaten. It's a beautiful moment. When you and I act in patience with someone, we're emulating God. In fact, as we're patient, we're creating this God-like moment of time, this space in yours and my life for God to bring his grace. As we're slow to anger, rather than bringing some immediate justice, you know, suddenly there's a place for a gentle word, a kind instruction, a peaceful moment for repentance, reflection. As we we sinned against, as we suffer and wait rightly before God, so we give him, him space to use that moment, to use it in us, to grow the fruit in our lives. Perhaps our love for the person who's sitting in front of us to grow our capacity for forgiveness, to experience how gracious he's been with us, to increase my trust in his purposes and to use that moment in others. Patience, you know, it stops someone going on the defensive, doesn't it? It disarms them. It might just help them to say sorry. It's not guaranteed. They might harden their own heart and again we leave them to God. That's between them and God, uh, not for us to deal with. As I've said before, this this doesn't mean there's no justice uh, in the world. God has given people with authority. The state still exacts justice. Elders in the church, parents in the family. There's still a place for discipline and punishments. 
But doesn't this just kind of rip up and deeply challenge our quick tempers, our impatient hearts? Just this week for me, there have been wonderful, joyful moments with my children, but also ones where they've annoyed me and frustrated me, disobeyed me, and and I've done the same to them. And especially when I've been tired, I've shut down that space for grace. I perhaps went to discipline instantly, or worse, lost my temper, perhaps ignored them. Whereas in better moments, when I've moved towards them in kindness, I've spoken gently, acted slowly, peace is created, forgiveness is given. I wonder if for all of us it's our closest relationships where we're less guarded with our impatience. I don't know, whether it's to your flatmate, you see every day and they still haven't done the dishes, or your parent who you think's interfering again in something that's got nothing to do with them, or a child who for the 16th time does what we've asked them not to do. We can have such strong desires to get our own back. I want him or her to suffer as I have. If he made me wait, I'm going to make him wait. If he said something mean, I'm going to give as good as I've got. And yet to embrace God's delay... His delay that brings grace, it means emulating it. It means creating that time for a thoughtful word, not a sharp one we're going to regret. It gives time for moving towards someone rather than giving them the cold shoulder. Patience. It's embracing that delay. It's creating a space for grace. As God promises to bring justice on the final day, As he promises to bring grace in the meantime, may we embrace this delay. May we give it space for Christ to be at work in us and those around us, enduring the wrong, creating the space. And it's all for God's glory. Let's just pray together. Our our Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for your grace to us, for your patience with us, for the way you delayed bringing justice so that we might come to know you in Christ. We praise you for your goodness to us and we, we ask that we would might follow the example of Christ, that we might walk in his footsteps, knowing that you judge justly, knowing that you are gracious But Lord, we find it so hard. We are impatient. So we ask by your spirit, be at work in us. A spirit of Christ, make us more like him, we pray. And may that bring life to those around us and glory to your name. Amen.